Have you started the year well? Has it been a good start of the year? Three weeks now? 20 days already? This goes quick. goes very quick. Someone once said, someone once said that one day we're going to put a man on the moon. And the people around him laughed. Ha, 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 ha. That's a stupid idea. As if that's ever going to happen. Why? Why would they laugh? Because it was impossible. There was a time where people, could, people said that they'd be able to travel overseas, over mountains. Hey, do you ever realize that word, overseas? Do you ever realize that's what it means? Overseas? Like over water? Is it just me that just worked that out? Like just then, Holy Spirit was moving. You know, like, you know, there was a time where the only way you could go from country to country through water was on a boat. And someone once said, you know what, one day, one day we're going to create a, a, a vehicle and it's going to fly like the birds. And you know what those people around that person did? They laughed. Ha, 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 as if, as if, why? Because at the time, it was impossible. And it's like these days, like, if I were to say to you, you know, one day, we're not going to have roads. We're going to have airways, and we're going to drive our cars through the air. And you'd look at me and go, Ha, 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 That's a silly thought. Why? Because in our minds, at this point in time, it's pretty impossible. But who knows, right? One day, you know, one day in the future, people will look back and go, oh, you know, 2019, those primitive humans didn't even have flying cars. It's interesting what we think to be classified as something that is possible and something that is impossible. And that's all we're going to talk about tonight. You know, every week we go to the Bible. Someone asked me, why do you preach out of the Bible every week? And the reason why we go to the Bible every week is because we really believe that the Bible is God's Word. We believe that it's not just good advice for us, but we truly believe that God actually reveals Himself. We learn more about God every time we open up the Bible. We learn more about who He is, who God is. We learn about how God thinks. And as we learn more about God, we learn more about the world that God created. We learn more about the purpose of why we exist in this world. We truly believe that without God's word, without God, we live our lives chasing empty, meaningless pursuits that leave us dissatisfied and broken. 
not only do we look at God's Word every Sunday, but we encourage everyone to open God's Word throughout the week. Can I tell you, it's probably not enough just to open your Bible on a Sunday. It's like trying to eat once a week. Okay, no one, no one lives off one meal a week. We encourage you to open your Word, the Bible, uh, either by yourself or with someone else later through life groups because we really believe that this is the best way to live your life. You've got this amazing resource But if you don't use it, then you're wasting your life. We truly believe that the best life that we can live is one where God's voice has a great influence, if not the greatest influence in your life. Now, uh, as I do every year, um, I only started a few years ago, uh, I've started reading the Bible from cover to cover and try to do it in one year. Right? And this year, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to push myself. Last year, I did it in 360 days. I know. I beat, I beat my tab thing by five days. Anyway, this year, I thought I'd push myself. And I said, instead of doing the whole, like, you know, four different passages, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go Genesis uh, straight all the way to Revelation. And I'm going to do it in half the time, like the Titanic. I'm just going to power through. I don't know what icebergs in front of me, but I'm just going to go. And so I've got my, my, my Bible reading plan. Do you know how many chapters you have to read to do it in six months? If you normally do it in a year, you have to read about four chapters and a psalm. Uh, okay, so in half the time, it's, it's about eight or nine chapters. Now, today's January 20. I'm going to confess to you. I'm at January 7. I'm a little bit behind. When you try to do it in six months, you forget a week. That's a lot of chapters you need to catch up on. But I'm enjoying it. And I hope that you, if you've never done it, I encourage you. Open your Bible. Try to go cover to cover. If, if, you, want, if you want like a running buddy, not like a physical running buddy, I can't help you there. But if you want to read the Bible, I'll read the Bible with you. You know, I'll encourage you. You know, we can message each other. Did you read? You know? The passage we go today is Genesis 18, which I read in the first week when I was really excited about it. Uh, I want to set you up the story. God chooses a man called Abraham within all the people of, of the world, and he wants to take Abraham to be the first of his nation, the first of his descendants, the Israelites. We see that God calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, which reads this, Now the Lord said to Abram, and Abram, before his name got changed, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. So God handpicks Abraham. Out of all the people, he picks Abraham, and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless the nations through you. You're going to have descendants. Later, he promises, you're going to have descendants that are more numerous than the, the stars in the sky. More numerous than the sand. The grains of sand on the beach. But there was a problem. 
Abraham was married, married to a, a, a lady called Sarah, but they had no children. Now, you cannot be a great nation or you have many descendants if you don't have children. I have four children. We are barely a clan, let alone a nation. But God had promised to use Abraham to become the father of his nation. So that's the picture. That's the context. And we, we get up to Genesis 18. I'm going to read 18, 1 to 15. And I want you to read this story. I love Genesis because it's a story. More than the theological concepts and, and more than all these. It, it just read it like a story. Okay? The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of um, Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and, and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and that you may wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now, that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. Verse 6. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said. Get three shears and the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and, and selected a choice tender calf, gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared, and he set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as, as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. <laughs> and that's how the passage ends. <laughs> I love that bit. Why did you laugh? I didn't laugh. Sarah is at the age of 90. She's 90 years old. Abraham is 100. He just got a letter from the queen. Yet, in that year of Sarah being 90, Abraham being 100, Sarah conceives. And if you continue reading, Sarah conceives, and by the by, by, by the next year, they have a son, and they name him Thank you. 
Isaac, which means, what does Isaac mean in the Hebrew? <laughs> Isaac literally in the Hebrew means he will laugh. And that's where his name comes from because Sarah laughed. The verse that I want to zone in on is, is verse 13 and 14. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And she did. Verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever been in a situation where in your mind you have thought, mm, this might be too hard for God? Is what I am praying for too difficult for God to respond to? Is what I believe God wants me to do or what I want to do for God in my life, is this just a bit too much? Am I asking for something that is beyond the reach of God? One of the greatest things that we receive when we open Scripture is that we get to learn about God, about who He is, about what He is about. I want to encourage you, especially if you're new to our community or new to the church or new to the faith, don't listen to podcasts, rather than listening to podcasts of people speaking about the Bible or reading books that introduce or speak, uh, you know, describe the Bible, read the Bible. Read the Scriptures yourself. I promise you, it doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church or whatnot, when you open the Scriptures, it will speak to you. One of the things that we learn about God when we open the Word is that God is bigger than what we imagine Him to be or what we let Him be. And because God is bigger, we realize that we are much smaller. We underestimate God all the time. We shrink God down to a level where we can understand Him, where we can manage Him, where we can comprehend Him. There's something that we need to realize. And as we read Scripture, as you read more and more of Scripture about the history of how God has worked with His people and what God is doing now, what you will realize is that God is so much greater than what we understand Him to be. Sometimes, especially Bible college students and pastors, we're the worst. Because we've gone to Bible college and we do this thing called theology, the study of God. And we finish a course called our Bachelor of Theology. You know, I have graduated from my study of God, which means I have graduated in my understanding and knowledge of God. I know God. If you're smarter, you can do a Master's of Theology which is you're a master of the study of God. And we get caught up in this lie that says that we have fully understood or comprehended God. But as we open the Bible, what we realize is that God is so much bigger 
than our understanding. He is so much bigger of, of what you can comprehend him to be. One of the things that I've realized even just recently, uh, just reading this, this passage, is that, that our God, the God that we worship, the God that we, we sing, the God that we, we hear from, the God that we pray to, He's the God of the impossible. God is uh, over and over again seen in the Scriptures doing things that are impossible. Things that are uh, in our human finite and limited mind space don't make sense to us. They, don't, they aren't uh, logical. They aren't rational. They, they don't fit in our capacity of understanding. And yet God continues to do this over and over again in the Bible. The story of Sarah is one of these stories. Having a baby at 90 years old. A man becoming a father at, at, at 100 but it's funny because if it happened once, you might go, oh, that's a fluke. If it happened twice, you're like, oh, okay, that's very fluky. But actually, when you read the Bible, it happens over and over and over and over and over again. Let me quickly fly through some examples. Moses and the dividing of the Red Sea. Jonah and the whale. David and Goliath, Mary and the virgin birth, Jesus and every miracle that he did. The Bible goes on and on and on about these impossible things. Here's the problem. The problem is, especially for those that have grown up in the church, for those that have been coming to church for a little bit of time, all of the things that I just said to you are not impossible. They're normal. They've just become normalized in our minds. Moses divides the Red Sea. Of course Moses divided the Red Sea. He divided the Red Sea even when I was born. That's the story that, you know, that I've been told. You know, Jonah and the whale. Of course there was a huge whale. Why do you question that there was a huge whale that, that ate a man and the man sat in the whale for three days praying and then the whale vomited and then Jonah just happened to get out onto the beach? Of course that happened. See, the problem is not with the Word of God. The problem is with us. We have become desensitized and numb to what Scripture says. You know what? When's the last time you read a piece of the scripture and you went, wow? Like, wow. Like you had to read it again because you're like, no, no, no. That's impossible. That's impossible. See, but this is what God is like. I believe every page, there is a miracle on every page of God's Word. The problem isn't that God isn't doing the impossible. The problem is we are not recognizing that God is greater than He is. Friends, these things don't just happen. It's not like I woke up and I went to McDonald's and got a bacon and egg McMuffin and then I split Sydney Harbour open because there was too much traffic and then I just walked over. Okay, it, it, These things don't just happen. It's just the, the problem is, you know, 
like because we've heard of it and read it so many times, we, we forget that these are impossible things. We forget that the way God operates is not at our level, but at, at His level. We forget that nothing is too hard for the Lord. We forget this. But this is what the Bible tells us over and over and over again. Give me, give me a few verses. Luke 1, 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. This is, this is God. This is God we're talking about. Matthew 19. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, with only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jeremiah 32, 17 reads, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched hand. Nothing is too hard for you. I can go on and on and on because this is who God is. This is what the Bible tells us about who God is. He is not like us. You know, the, the best that it could ever get for us, right, is like to win lotto. There was a lady this week that won $107 million in Powerball. You know, for us, if that was us, that is the, the ultimate, right? That, that is the ultimate. Like, there, there's no, like, you know, better dream than just winning lotto, right? That's the best it's ever going to get. But, but that's impossible, right? It's impossible. Like for some of us, the best it's ever going to get is a good job and, and, and an early retirement. For some of us, the best it's ever going to get is that my kids are healthy and they get into selective school. You know, for some of us, you know, the, the best it's ever going to get is, is that, you know, like I get married and, and she still likes me at 50. You know, like for some of us, you know, our, our lives, we, we live them actually quite low ball. But it's not like that with God. Because God is not limited like you and I. He doesn't operate on the same playing field as you and I. It has been historically shown. This is what God can do and what God has done. He is greater than the things that are limited in our physical realm. God is not limited by the laws of science. He is not limited to what historical evidence there is or has been. But God is greater than all these things. He's the God of the impossible. Not only is God showing us this through His Word, but He shows us that He's God of the impossible in our own lives. As you get to know some more of the people in our church community, and you ask them, hey, where has God been the God of the impossible in your life? There are, I will tell you, there are countless stories. There are stories. We had a family where they were 
struggling to conceive a child. And they went through a, a miscarriage. And then she got pregnant again. And then it just looked like it was going to be another miscarriage. And just prayers and prayers and prayers and prayers and prayers. And at the end, the end of those prayers, a beautiful baby was born. We have stories of people who displaced from their homeland could have died in the Indian Ocean, ended up walking past our church doors one week, two weeks, on the third week decided to pop their head in, came in, met great community, more importantly met a great God, decided to submit their life to God. How does that happen? We've had people come through that struggling with severe addiction. Had a sister come through real bad addiction, substance abuse, which then led to, uh, you know, just abuse of the body. Ended up in hospital weekly. Just continues to seek God. Should have been dead. Could have been dead. Yet God just continued to save her. That was why she was telling me this story. She had, she had taken way too many drugs. And she was just lying there. And, and in her mind, she was like, this is it. I'm done. You know, she, she didn't even you know, have the, the strength to, to walk out the door. And, and she was just lying there. And then out of the blue, she gets a phone call. Uh, from someone from her support group. This lady calls her and says, hey, I don't know why, but I just felt like I needed to call you. Oh, you know, I've just taken a whole bunch of pills and I'm not feeling great. I think I'm going to go. And so this support group lady freaks out and calls an ambulance ends up saving her life. If that phone call hadn't come, if the ambulance hadn't come, I'm pretty sure that this lady would have, this girl would have gone. How does that happen? See, a lot of the time, we, we, we normalize this. We normalize this kind of activity. And we think that, oh, you know, it just happens every day. It doesn't happen every day. What we need to recognize is that these are not normal things because we do not live, we do not worship a normal God. We worship the God of the impossible. The illusion that we have is that we have control of our lives. We have control of our destinies, that we make choices in our lives that can make or break our our. our our paths, our journeys. But, but the reality is that uh, you and I actually have very little control in our lives. None of us can guarantee tomorrow, can you? None of us can guarantee that you'll be breathing tomorrow morning. We think that we can. But we're reminded once again that we are finite. We are limited and weak human beings. 
None of us can guarantee our life tomorrow. None of us can guarantee the safety of our children tomorrow. None of us can guarantee our financial stability. And I think if you are honest with yourself, if you're honest in the deepest part of your heart, you would believe this. But it's just something that we don't want to admit to. Because it's a very scary thought to admit to. It's a scary thought to admit the fact that we have no control in our lives. It makes us uncomfortable. But when we are in relationship with God, when we allow God to run our ship, when we allow God to steer our lives, we go to God with our broken lives, our broken world, and our broken hearts. And God says to us, is there anything too hard for me? I know that in your life there are things, what I would call impossible statements, impossible prayers. Maybe for some of you it's a health issue. For some of you, you're you're dealing with some severe health issues and the doctors have written you off and you have no control over that. And to you, in your mind, well, that's it. It, It's impossible. And let me ask you, is that too hard for God? You know, for some of you, you're, you're, you're dealing with some broken relationships. And not like, you know, I just had a fight with my wife. Like some real severe broken relationships. A, you know, beyond the point of, of reconciliation, beyond the point of mending the relationship. And you're like, I, I don't know what to do. And I, I feel like I'm in an impossible situation. And, 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 and then I ask you, is this too hard for God? Is this too hard for God to deal with? For some of you, you're sitting on the fence even with believing in the existence of God. You're like, man, I've been coming to church, I'm reading my Bible, but I don't really know, and I'm kind of not convinced that God is real and whatnot, and you know, I don't know, I kind of pray, but I don't really believe in it. Even for you, let me ask, is, is your life situation, do you think that situation is too hard for God? I pray that in 2019 that, that God would become the God of the, the Bible for you. The God of the impossible. Because here's the most impossible thing. Is that a sinful person like you and I would be loved by a perfect and sinless God. That doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't make any sense that our sins would be forgiven. And not just forgiven, but the penalty of our sins would be paid for through blood, the blood of God's own son, Jesus. Why would God, and I've asked this question so many times in my life, God, why would you send your one and only son that you love and that you cherish to die on the cross for sinful people like me? That's ridiculous. I have four children. You only had one God. 
You know, like, if I, you know, if one goes, I still got three. You know, like, you know, you sort of, you know, count your, count your losses and move on. But, you know, like, what? there's no way. See, to me, that's an impossibility. If someone came up to me and said, hey, can you, you know, sacrifice one of your sons for me? No. Why would God do that? In our minds, it doesn't make sense. And I hope that it doesn't make sense. Because if you go, oh, no, that makes sense because God is love and he loves us so much. And you know what? I think you haven't really understood. It should, it should confuse you. It should perplex your mind. That creator God, perfect God, will send his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. But he did. And he did the impossible, and he bridged the gap between man and God. He bridged the gap between you and God. He saved you from your sin, something that is impossible from our end. And he did that for us. And so we are reminded, when we ask the question, is there anything too hard for the Lord? The answer is no. We are reminded that even in your life right now, is there anything that is too hard for the Lord? The answer is no. Man, I hope that, I hope that this is stirring something in your life and in your heart right now. I hope that it's not like, oh yeah, God can do anything. Amen. Let's pray. Let's go have dinner. I hope that this messes you up because it should mess you up. Because you have impossible things in your life. You have impossible situations in your life. Either you're just ignorant of them, or you're being ignorant of them, or you're just neglecting them, or you're just shoving them under the rug, and you're like, I don't want to deal with this because it's impossible. But you know what? God can deal with it. There's no problem that you take to God and God says, oh, I don't know about that one. That one seems a little bit too complicated for me. No, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is no. Your visa situation, your, 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 your passport situation, your health situation, your school situation, your marriage situation, your finance situation, your kid screaming situation, no matter what situation, I'm going to scream louder than that kid. <laughs> God is the God of the impossible. Now and forever. That has not changed and will not change. Now, you might be sitting and you're like, you know what, I got nothing. Hey, that's fine. That's great for you. But there will be a time where it's going to smack you in the face. And I hope that when that impossibility smacks you in the face, you remember that our God, it is not too hard for him. I hope that you believe that tonight. I hope that you just pray that and declare that over your lives tonight. I have four children. Everything's impossible these days. (laughs) Sleeping is impossible. I, I sleep, I kid you not, I, I sleep at 2 a.m. That is my, that's when I go to bed. And I wake up sometimes and I cry out to God. I say, God, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm physically so tired. And then I have to go to work. And then I have to come home. And then, of course, you know, because my wife has been, you know, doing her part over the house, I have to come home. And then I have to play with not just one kid, I have to play with four kids. 
I promise you, even if you didn't have to sleep at my house, if you had to come and play with four kids, you would end up sleeping at my house. You know, I, I kid you not, there are times where physically I'm like, God, I do not know if I can get through today. And I know this sounds ridiculous, right? I'm just giving you an example of where I'm at in my life. I'm like, God, I need some rest. Okay, here's a confession, okay? God, I need to write this sermon because I have to preach tomorrow. It's Saturday night or technically Sunday morning, 2 a.m. Okay, God, because if I turn up with nothing... There's going to be a lot of disappointed people. (laughs) And yet, here I am, sermon finished, bang, hallelujah. God is the God of the impossible. If I don't believe that God is the God of the impossible, then I have no reason to worship and honor God. I hope that you understand that tonight. The God that we worship tonight is not just a God. He's the God. And I pray that this year, in 2019, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what you're going through right now, that you will remember that God is the God of the impossible. So do not be afraid of the impossible, friends. Take that impossible, take it to God, and let God answer you. Is this too hard for me? Let's pray.